You played with probably one of the greatest players that ever lived at the final round of the PGA Championship, and and you beat you beat a couple of pretty good players too that tied for second that year. Who were they? <laughs> you remember? <laughs> uh, I rem- Yeah, I think we all remember the names. <laughs> Ar- Arnold and Jack. I think mean, that was uh, they were two. Arnold, Arnold was a king, of course. And Darn Jack was coming on and being. He was going to be that he was going to take over it, it pretty well. Yeah, Bruce, we were all we were introduced to those guys, weren't we? Yeah, they were they were guys that were, of course, coming from Australia. Uh, I didn't come. I I come over and played as an amateur in 1960. But uh-huh. when I when I came over in 62, I had the I was very fortunate to be introduced to Mr. Hogan. Played my first practice round at Augusta National with him. So is that right? Yeah, and and just reiterating your kind words about the man, he's probably one of the nicest people that I ever met in the game. To be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. he, no doubt. I mean, he just. Uh, I've never been around a person when he would ask a question, and if he'd answered the question, it was always words that weren't wasted. It went right to the point, and that was it. And he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't a type that would add anything to a story or add any conversation to anything. It was just strictly to the point, and then he would, that would be it. But he would answer your question. Well, let's do a quick recap for our listeners, if we can, of Bobby Nichols' career uh, turning pro coming out of college uh, with a record of 15 professional wins, including 12 wins on the PGA Tour and one senior win, which we'll talk about. Uh, obviously, the highlight uh, is the, the the PGA Championship, which we've alluded to in 1964, which we'll come back to. But uh, let's go back and talk about uh, some of the other early wins because uh you started out in 1962 winning a tournament that uh, Bruce Devlin has a little history yeah. with as well the St. Petersburg Open Invitational at Lakewood Country Club by two over Frank That's Boynton. right that's my first win and and Frank Boynton actually Frank led the the first I think it was the first yeah, it was the first round was rained out and Frank had had 67 so he was leading the tournament but it was washed out in those days. Uh, it, it, they just 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 to wash out the round. But they, to, today they wouldn't do that. They, they would just continue it. So, anyways, Frank uh, lost his sixty-seven, and he finished second. Like you say, two shots back, and uh, I was lucky there to, to have to have won the won the tournament with uh, Frank's first round getting washed out. Anyway, uh, after that, uh, uh, luckily I won the, the Houston Open, and uh, Bruce is familiar. Bruce had won, I know you won the, uh, the Houston Open, Bruce, once or twice, and uh, yourself. Well, I, I followed you at St. Pete a couple of years later, too. That was my <laughs> first victory, was 1964 at the St. Petersburg Open. Well, so just, you, just, you led me along nicely, Bobby. Thank you so much for winning those tournaments before me. <laughs> I, I can remember one year at the Houston Open, uh, I remember you, I forgot exactly what you did say, but I know you finished second one shot back. You said something about them Aggies. 
stopped your ball from going over the green or something. I said, well, I'm sure there was a few Aggies in the crowd that were pulling for me, I'm sure. <laughs> now, I'll tell you the story just so that it oh, reminds okay. you. Yes, we were playing together the last that, day. Was that it? Okay. And I hit a, I hit my second shot at the ninth hole on the back fringe. And when I got up to the green, it was about 12 yards over the green right next to a tree. And I wondered how a ball could stop in one place and end up in another. So I figured, I figured it was those damn Aggies. <laughs> oh, oh. You guys were playing. You guys were playing back in the wild, wild west, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I'll never forget that. That was. Uh, that was. I said, oh. and you know what's interesting too, Bobby, is uh, uh, an, an oil friend of mine. Uh, the very first time I got to go to Texas A and M, uh, Gloria said to me after we'd watched a football game there, "You know something? We're going to send Kel." my oldest boy, to Texas yeah. A&M. And by yeah. the way, he said to say hi today, too. Yeah. He wanted, wanted me to say hi for you. So he ended up being an Aggie. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, Kel's a good player. And uh, where, where is he now, by the way, Bruce? He's, like uh, he's, a, he's the uh, owner of a golf course a little southwest of Fort Worth, Texas. Good. good. So he's in, still in the golf business. But after you won the first time at uh, Houston, you then, uh, in 1963, the year after, you won Seattle Open, too. You beat Raymond Floyd and um, Canadian Stan Leonard. Stan Leonard. Boy, that, uh, yeah, I remember Stan. Stan, uh, I remember the 17th, or rather the 71st hole. I was getting ready to tee up, and I, I put the tee in the ground. And Stan and I had a three wood in my hand, and and Stan looked at me. He said, uh, "Bob, you're you're, you're pointing to my ball. It's in front of the marker." And I looked over to the side, walked over to the side, and sure enough, I was. And he told me before I hit it, uh, he was kind enough to to uh, tell me and tell me, and I teed up, yeah. of course, back behind the marker. But he could have. He could have let you go. Yeah, he could have let me go. And it would have been disastrous. But uh, he was that kind of guy. He was Stan was a good, likable person, good player. You were uh, you were one back of Raymond. Raymond must have been a pretty young man back in nineteen sixty three, huh? Yes, he was. He was the uh, gosh, how, Raymond. I can't recall exactly what. He was yeah. He was uh when he first came out. He was the definitely the youngest man out there, and the youngest winner too. So you were you were one back of him uh, coming into the final round. And do you remember the fifteen footer for par you made on sixteen? Uh gosh, I don't remember that. <laughs> the newspaper quoted you as, as basically saying, man, that was a key save to, to make that 15-footer for par on the 16th. That probably was. The other thing I'll ask you about is, is uh, do you remember Phil Rogers making more money than you made that tournament, even though he finished 16th place? Oh, yeah, he made a hole of one. <laughs> 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 
That's almost not fair. Oh, he was. Oh, Phil was. Phil was kind of the czar, or whether you what's a good word to say about a guy that he looked like he was a world beater when he came out. Because I played with him in college. He was at the University of Houston. He played a couple of years. And uh, he came out, and he was hell, a heck of a player. He won the National Juniors and stuff. And then he, at the first tournament he played in as a pro, I think it was the first one maybe, at the L.A. Open, he won that. And uh, he was quite a player. Phil, unfortunately, didn't uh, play as well later on. But anyway. It just doesn't seem fair that uh, you win first prize of 5300 5300 He makes, <laughs> <he> makes 10000 <laughs> for a hole-in-one, another $680 for 16th Yeah, place. for 16th place, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, let's, let's go on and sequence then to that 1964 PGA championship that we alluded to earlier, Columbus country club by three over Arnold Palmer and JW Nicholas. You JW. led wire to wire, didn't you? Yeah. Fortunately, it was, uh, one of those good weeks, uh, where things were just kind of gelling, especially the putter and, uh, and it's, and it's how you. How, how you win tournaments, of course, with that putter. And if it's not working, you're not going to win. So, uh, it was one of those weeks where the putter was working and, uh, enjoyable week. <laughs> Bruce told me before we came on that you could really roll the rock. Well, sometimes, yeah. sometimes, but, uh, I'm like a, a lot of guys, uh, like Bruce or anybody else that played the game on a high high note, that uh, when you're putting well, you're playing. You you pretty well score. Looks well. like a bucket, doesn't but, it? Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's it, it really is amazing how how the feel when that putter feels good in your hand, or that uh, and you, you get the ball rolling, get the ball rolling, get the ball going. You know, back in our days, another thing. You know, they talk about uh, uh, they talk about uh, conditions in the golf cor- courses, or rather, the equipment and everything else being superior to what it was in the past. That's very true, but they forget one thing: golf courses are by far better shape than they were twenty years ago, thirty years ago. The grasses. Guys, I watched guys roll roll the putter, and the ball never, never, ever I see ever hit a bump or bounce in the air and that sort of thing. Everything is so smooth, and the grasses are so well cut and and, and laying down. And like they can take their putter and anything that's up, they can pat it down with their putter. Yeah. I mean. Uh, Bruce, we never did that. We got to penalize. That's right. right. Yeah. Take take an extra so, uh, two. <laughs> extra two. <laughs> so it was, it's it's been quite an improvement, really. It's uh, it's just amazing. That's why I think they make they make so many so many good putters today. Uh, it's because of the conditions of the golf course and the grasses on the fairways, and you never. We used to get those ugly lies like a, it'd be a big piece of crabgrass, and then a ball would be on dirt. Yeah. 
and you uh, and you'd be in the, even in the fairway sometimes because they weren't irrigated, uh, so there was insufficient uh, places to, where there be uh, places where they'd be good turf bad in the fairway, and because they weren't irrigated and they weren't they weren't uh, consistent. You had twenty eight putts in that final round of that PGA Championship that you won. Mm-hmm. So you were rolling it well that day. Any vivid yes. memories of that last round? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I remember the the closing the closing holes, especially the the fifteenth hole when I hit it in the left bunker. And luckily, I, I I blew I blew it out not too good, about fifteen feet away, and it was a, a, a left a right to left uh, break. And I made it from 15 feet to, to for par. And then on the 17th hole, I made about a, tw- a 30-footer. That was for a deuce on 17, right? Yes, for 17. It kind of uh-huh. put me four shot, four strokes up. and kind of, you know, what the heck? I ought to be able to walk in from there. <laughs> four, four shots. But the things were working well for me. Anytime I had needed a putt, it seemed like uh, it, uh, it went down. I, I made the putt, but that's that's what it takes, you know, to win golf tournaments. You have to, you got to keep your momentum going, and and your thinking going. And uh, when when you do, you you just it just seemed like everything kind of flows in, and flows and keeps going, and. Uh, so that's what happened at the PGA. Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me. One in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Pan and Shepard as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about Malbatross? You came out of the box with a 64, followed that with a 71, 69, 67. That 271 stood as a tournament scoring record for 30 years until yeah. Nick, Nick Price broke it in 1994. So, that's right. Nick Price did it at Oakland Hills. I mean, at uh, Southern Hills. And yeah, uh, yeah. he, uh, yeah, he broke it in Southern Hills. Quite a, quite a, quite a player. Well, as you mentioned, you played with Ben Hogan that final round. Let me just read some of the opening paragraphs from an article I saw in the Eugene Register Guard dated July 20th, 1964. Uh, one comment. If Bobby Nichols had fallen off a cliff, he'd have won the high diving championship on the way down. Uh, another one, this was the week when he could have gotten down in two strokes from the deck of a sinking ship. Uh, another one, there apparently is no oil in the area of Columbus Country Club, or Nichols would have struck it with a 7 iron. There you go. <laughs> 
another one. Life well, was like that for Nichols, the 28-year-old Louisville boy who won the PGA Golf Tournament Sunday by three strokes with a record total of 271, blah, 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 blah. He said of the 271, nine under par, about 71 of his shots were downright impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and finally, this is a quote from yourself. He says, I couldn't believe them myself, but I have witnesses. There you go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I made made some putts that were the putting was was a was a, was the uh, cause of all the things going on because it was uh, it were unreal some of the putts I made uh, like the one on the when I was coming down the stretch on on sixteen when I made that and then I made that long putt on seventeen it kind of slithered, solidified solidified it. things pretty much being four under. So and, how did uh, that how did that win change your life, Bobby? Well, actually, it would, when I got you know back in those days, if you won the PGA, you had it. You got a lifetime exemption from qualifying for any PGA sponsored event, which was quite special, mm-hmm. along with the, with a trophy. So uh, that's what I got, and therefore. I I could I didn't right at the, right at the present didn't didn't change things but I I had I had the option if I wanted to change things I could because I had that lifetime exemption so uh, anyway one thing led to another and I just kept playing and and then uh, George Archer and I we played in the team championship there in sixty seven or sixty eight rather. And we won that, and after after that, uh, I had been I had been uh, visiting Firestone Country Club because they were looking for a a new a, a new pro. They built a new clubhouse and doing a lot of different things, and so they were kind of looking for a pro. And uh, I talked to them for a couple times, and they said, "Would you be interested in in the, in the job?" And I said, well, yeah, I, you know, I'd like to have a job in the summer and uh, play in the winter, be off in the winter. It'd be perfect. He said, well, anyways, we, uh, he said, we'll get back with you. So a couple of weeks later, I get a call. They said, uh, well, they, they told me what to, what would be the, the, they said that they had about four or five other Turing pros that they were looking at and uh, think think about uh, hiring as the pro, and uh, they would need to talk to them too. So they left me there, not hanging, but uh, just said, we'll get back to you. So about four or five weeks later, they came back and said, uh, uh, we, uh, we'd like to bring you in and talk to you. So they did, and when they did bring it, when they did come in, they came in with an offer that I had that I could not possibly imagine happening. I mean, they were so good to be. Uh, Firestone could I could never thank them enough. They, they when it, when they changed over in '67, they they gave me everything, everything you could possibly. Like the carts, the clubhouse, I mean, the pro shop, the new pro shop paid off. 
even paying all my help. Hmm. And uh, it was just incredible. The offer, Scotty, Scotty Brubaker was the head of PR for Firestone. He and Mr. Firestone sat down and we, we talked. And that's when they told me the deal. Well, I couldn't believe my ears. I said, well, absolutely. I mean, God, I was elated. So anyways, I uh, I said, yeah, I want I, I want the job. I'd lo- love to have a job. So that's that's how it came about. And uh, I was thirty, I was thirty three, and uh, guys on the tour said, Bobby, what what the heck got into you? Why would you want to take a job at thirty three? Well, you got to understand the situation. After a while, I got I realized how how special it was. Let's go back to the 1964 Carling World Open. Uh, sort oh, of what yeah. I alluded to what I what I alluded to with my uh, with our listeners is that Kel there? I think it is. I couldn't tell huh? with his hat and everything. Else. Looks like Kel. <laughs> oh yeah, Nancy, Nancy. <laughs> hey, hey, there he's, okay, he's got the, he's he's got the headphones on now. He's yeah, on okay, Nancy. How you doing, Gil? How are you? Fan, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you guys get back to your. Call. I've been good. I've been in good company here. Yeah, we go. We about to tell some Maggie stories we had to watch. So let's go back to the 1964 Carling World Open, which you won at Oakland Hills. We talked about that earlier. That was one that that was one. I think that's probably my best golf I ever played. Four rounds. It was at Oakland Hills. Now I didn't. I didn't shoot consistently. I shot 72, 68, 66, 72. Correct. But oh, if you ever play Oakland Hills. And that you, I can bet one thing, you'll have 18 greens that are absolutely all very difficult. Yeah. Every one. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a hard golf course. And it's, it is played a lot, a lot of major events there. And I can see why. Yeah. Because it, it was, uh, I remember Mr. Hogan said it was, it was monster. Uh, probably the best he, yeah, he called it the monster. That's right, yeah. Bruce. And, uh, and uh, it was probably the, one of the best wins he ever had. Well, I alluded to our at the opener. I alluded to our listeners about our guest uh, showing up when the when the purses got big. This was the first, as I remember, first two hundred thousand dollar purse, was it not? It was. Uh, yes, it was the first. That's correct. Uh huh. Yeah, it was. It was the first uh, two hundred thousand. I think it was the first two hundred. Yeah, Houston. I think Houston. No, no, no. It was a calling world. It was the first two hundred or two hundred, and then the first three hundred. I recall. I remember it was the uh, Dow Jones in nineteen seventy. Exactly. You won that one. Uh, yeah, lucky, right. lucky that one. <laughs> <laughs> big per, big purses in those days. I <laughs> well, the Carling, the Carling tournament, as Bruce said, uh, he thanked you for setting the stage for him because he tended to won a few events after you did, and and he was able to win the Carling uh, World Open a couple of years later at. Uh, at yeah, Berkeley. I wanted to thank oh, you. Is that, is that where? Yeah, it was? I wanted to thank you for winning yeah. the book. Winning. 
Oh, Pry to me again. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, you sent good. me on a great path, Bobby. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Uh, speaking of uh, the the open uh, tournaments, I never I never got a chance to go. I shouldn't say got a chance. Never went over for the open. Uh, in all the, all the years that I was eligible from '64 on, and I regret that I didn't because. Uh, well, I had I took the job at Firestone, and I just felt like when I was playing, I needed to. Uh, I, I just felt like I couldn't take the week or two off to go to the open, but I regret that decision was uh, one of the worst uh, feelings or are regretful to have made in not going to the open. I'd love to have gone over there because. Because I was used to playing in the wind out in Midland and I, 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 so forth, and maybe I could do you know, uh, play decent, you would have decent or whatever. <laughs> and Bobby, I tell you, but, you know, you're not the Lone Ranger because uh, we've had a number of our guests who you know played once or twice or or, or maybe just a few times, and and I, I remember talking to Charles Cootie, uh, Bruce, yeah. and Charlie Cootie played, I think, in only one open. Having having won a tournament over uh, at uh, at Troon, or I think, and and I asked him, I said, "Do you regret not going over to the Open more?" He said, "Absolutely." He said, "I had the game for it. I I grew up playing in the wind. Kind of the same yeah. thing you were saying, Bobby." Yeah, yeah. He grew up in West Texas, yeah. or or Texas, not really yeah. West, but uh, mid mid Abilene, Abilene. But it's hard for our listeners to relate because you know back in this time, we're talking about especially back in the '60s. Uh, give an example. When you won the PGA Championship in 1964, the yeah. British Open was played the prior week at the Old Course. Well, it was almost impossible to get from there to here and play both events. And that happened five times in the 60s where those tournaments were played back-to-back. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I guess you're right. That's right. And it wasn't cheap. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. cheap to go over there, and you didn't win right. a much it, it cost you money. Even if you won, it probably cost you money. Yeah, it was. Uh, but, you know, uh, I think Bruce will agree that uh, with the guys like you and Arnold and Jack and Gary got to British, the open the word it is today. Yeah, I think. I, th- I mean, I think, I think you guys, you guys are really the, what I'm trying to say, uh, well, like you, the pioneers, the, yeah. There you go. That's a good word. I think Arnold pioneers Arnold was the one that uh, when he went over, uh, I guess in nineteen sixty, would it be nineteen sixty? He uh-huh. sort of right. he sort of uh, got got a got the interest back into the British Open, which obviously now is called the Open, but back in those days was the British, right? Bobby, I got to ask you about this. Uh, uh, and I think it probably came in about this sequence. Maybe it was after the Carling. I want to ask you about what you remember about the 1964 CBS Golf Classic 36-hole match between Bruce Devlin and Bob Charles. Oh, my And God. Bobby Nichols and Tony Lima. Do you remember that, Bobby? <laughs> Do I remember that? I, I still can't comprehend 
you guys were <laughs> not only good, you were so you were so def- uh, well, I don't know how, what to say. I really don't know how to explain that Bob Charles and Bruce Devlin were just phenomenal. I mean, this phenomenal. We played, we were 11 under par, Tony Lehman and I were, and we got beat. What nine and seven? Nine, nine, nine and seven. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, they were just incredible. In, uh, Back in those days, uh, that, those uh, uh, they, there was no houses around anything, so wind blew and the sm- uh, dust blew. Yeah. God, it, it was tough. Yeah. Well, but, uh, they were they Bruce and Bob Charles. I never forget that. Well, I, I uh, found it. I? I found it. Uh, uh, somebody sent us uh, uh, a video off the old CBS master tapes because I think the Did master they? tapes were. Were maybe maybe lost in a fire, and so I watched this thing on television. And what was interesting was you guys must have been mic'd up because often, every time Devlin Charles made a putt, you and Lima were almost talking to yourself <laughs> off camera. Like I can't believe these guys are making everything. <laughs> they did. They they ever they. I don't think they ever let us open have an opening anywhere. <laughs> they they filled they filled that cup up before we even had a chance. <laughs> Well, let's turn the let's turn the tables on Mr. Devlin because in 1965 you got into his pocket That's a little right. bit because you won the Houston <laughs> Classic by two over or by one rather over Mr. Devlin and Mr. Rodriguez. Oh, <laughs> oh the Open that was this. I mean, that was your second open. second victory at Houston, Bobby. Yeah, Houston Open, huh? Yeah, it was fu- it was fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, they were good money tournaments. They were they were good money tournaments. I think the nine nine thousand was first prize. Yeah, I think they were like and, sixty thousand uh, or something, wasn't it? The f- total purse, something like that. Something like that. Well, Bruce uh, Bruce got in the winner's circle there again after you did in nineteen seventy two. Yeah, I was going to say he he won later. Was it seventy two? Okay. Thank you very much again, Bobby, for leading me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bobby, your next win was 1966 at the Minnesota Golf Classic at Keller Golf Course by one over John Slee. John Slee, I remember that. It, that Keller Golf Course, that, that was uh, that used to have back in the golden days, I guess it was one of the oldest tournaments on the tour, St. Paul Open, they used to call it, at Keller. Yeah. Golf club, and then change it to the Minnesota Classic, uh-huh. and uh, but it was still at the Keller Keller Golf Club. Yep. Yeah, you mentioned the 1968 PGA National Team Championship with uh, with you and George Archer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was winning by two over Lamont Monte Kaiser and Reeves McBee. Reeves McBee, yeah, they they played good together. So was that a better ball event? Is that what yeah, the format of yeah, that event? Be- better ball, better ball. And then you mentioned that next big money win, which was the first three hundred thousand dollar purse. Oh, that was yeah. at the Dow Jones yeah. Open Invitational at yeah, Upper that- Montclair, New Jersey Country Club. Right, Dow Jones. They only had it one year too. They didn't. Uh, they didn't follow up. They only had it one year, but it was. Uh, at uh, Upper Montclair. 
Yeah, you beat LeBron Harris Jr., who won the 1971 Robinson Open that following yeah. year in a playoff yeah. with Burt Yancey. Yeah, that's right. Did it's you ever sure play did. in the Robinson Open? Yeah, well, yeah, I played a couple times. Did you? Yeah. It was a, it was like a tournament a lot of guys took off, but I didn't see any reason to take off. <laughs> I mean, to, uh, you know, back in those days, you'd pretty hard to take off on any of them because the purses were so small. <laughs> you yep. just try to make a few dollars, whatever. That was at Crawford County Country Club. I actually caddied yeah. there. Is that uh, right? In, in 1969 and 1970. Oh, yeah. Really? I, I think in 70, I, I caddied for Harry Toscano. Hmm. Harry Toscano. Yeah. I remember Harry very well. Well, let me tell you about a tournament that I have a very vivid memory of, and, and, and I'm not sure why, but I, I remember like it was yesterday when you won at Westchester. Oh. Hmm. Be, uh, play, uh, Bob Murphy. In a playoff. Murphy, Murphy in a playoff. playoff. Well, it was. I don't know how I even became uh, involved in the playoff, but the 18th hole, I happened to hit it on the green, and I made a de- I made the putt for an eagle to tie Murphy, and uh, we were kind of waiting. I think a couple more guys were in contention, and uh, it never panned out. So we we went and. Uh, had the playoff on the on the th- uh, what I think is third I think it was the thirteenth hole there that we hit is kind of up up on the mound kind of and uh, he was a short iron in there and, and I made about a fifteen footer side hill right for for a birdie Murph looked like he made his looked like he made his three but it, it slammed by the hole. And then uh, I made my uh, 15-footer for the birdie to win. So it was it was a kind of nice thing. For and that wasn't that wasn't bad money back then. Fifty thousand. No, back then fifty thousand. It was a lot of money back in yeah. those days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Then the next year, Bobby. <laughs> next. Did you win next no, year? No, 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 I didn't win the next year. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway. It went smack down the fairway Then it started to slice just a smidge off line It headed for two, but it bounced off nine My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay Yes, it went straight down the middle, quite a way